0: Welcome to the Women of TBC Podcast. You'll hear content from women's Bible studies and other women's events. For more information, visit templebiblechurch.org. Good morning, everyone. I want to invite everyone to take a seat. All right, guys, I do have one announcement for you this morning. I, wanna, I want to let you know again that we have an event coming up on October 15th. It's Saturday morning, it's a couple of weeks away. Um, it'll be here in this room and we're calling it a mentoring workshop and mixer. So that means if you have ever been interested in mentoring um, another woman in our church family or being mentored by another woman in our church family, this event is for you. We're gonna be talking about what that means uh what it means to mentor what it doesn't mean we're going to contrast what mentoring how mentoring is different than discipleship making or disciple making Um, mentoring is one way to make disciples it's not the only way Um, so those are the kind we're going to do some instruction in those in those regards and then we're going to have a time of just getting to know women we're going to have a lot of college girls here and I'd love for as many of you to come as, as possible so that we're going to take some time to get to know one another in the hopes that mentoring relationships will form naturally when you when you connect with another person. So this is this event is October 15th, and we're starting to share the registration everywhere. It's it's ten dollars. It covers a book and lunch, so it's a deal. So I hope some of you will be able to, to come to that. All right. We are going to um, enter into a time of worship this morning uh, before we uh, hear our message. And I was just thinking this week, um, it was such a good, good lesson about blessing and perishing in the Psalms, and that word perishing just kept playing over and over in my mind as I was thinking about what we could sing today. And there's an old hymn that I really love, um, maybe some of you have sung it before, and it's called Rescue the Perishing. And, and I, I, I wanna sing it today a totally different tune than you probably grew up singing it. Um, so we're gonna sing it, but I want you to focus on the words because we, when, we, when we start contrasting blessing and perishing, I think it, we sometimes can lose the fact that we're all, we were all perishing, if not for, but for the grace of God in our life to, to open our eyes and to draw us to Christ. And we wanna be so mindful That that's where we were, and that's where many people are, and that God is calling us to be a light for Christ. So that's what these words say. I just love this version because it has a lot of four-part harmony, which I love. So let's um, stand up. So you might want to just listen to the tune a little bit (laughs) as we start. Sing as you're able to join in. Um, But we're going to start by reciting Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and then we'll sing together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Rescue the perishing Care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. We pour the erring ones, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus. The merciful Jesus will say,
1: Down in the
0: human heart, crushed by the tempter, feelings thy buried. That grace can restore Touched by a loving heart
1: Wakened by kindness cords that were broken Will vibrate once more
0: Rescue the perishing Care for the dying Jesus is merciful will say
1: Rescue the perishing; duty demands it. Strength for Thy labor, the Lord. Will Jesus is
0: merciful, Jesus will say. Stay standing. I love that. I love that version. Y'all sounded so beautiful singing it too. Okay, um, it is time to, um, to welcome uh, someone new to the stage today. I'm so excited for you to hear from my friend, April. She's younger than me, but I look up to her in so many ways. And so, um, April, would you come on up? And We're going to pray for her, and then we'll be seated. Join me. God, we're so thankful that we have um, Jesus as our Savior and is our friend, as our companion, our guide, and we're so blessed, God, in Christ, and so we thank you for that. We praise you together. We ask you to help um, our sister April that you would give her the words that you have put in put on her heart to share with us. And God, we pray that we would hear from you more than anyone else, and that you would um that you would convict us and that you would challenge us. And so we look forward to what you will teach us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: good morning like Amy said my name is April Rondo my husband Brian and I have been here at TBC for about 12 years we moved here for his job in 2010 and I have to admit I cried all the way here but we've really grown to love it and uh, TBC was the first church that we visited here and we loved it so much that we never left here is a picture of my family Uh, We have two beautiful daughters. Maddie is nine and in fourth grade, and Shelby is seven and in second grade, both at Academy Elementary. Often when moms meet a new fellow mom for the first time, the first question we ask are, how many kids do you have? Which is when I share about my two daughters. But then I pause and say, and we foster, because I feel like I lay claim to our last foster child, Um, Her name is Lizzie. Um, The picture here on the left is the day that we welcomed her into our family. That morning, I dropped my two girls off at school, and I went to work just like any other day. And within a two-hour period, we heard about sweet Lizzie, accepted her as a placement into our home, and then I picked up the girls, and as Maddie climbed in the car, she said, you got us a baby, <laughs> and I said, "Well, she's not for you, but yeah, she is now a part of our family. <clears throat> she's super sweet. Um, the The other picture there is a current picture. She's about she just turned two. Um, we she returned to live home with her dad just before um, turning a year old last August." But we've been lucky enough to get to welcome her back into our home many weekends for overnight visits. So now that she's two, we call her Busy Lizzie because she is very busy. Uh, Sometimes uh, her dad will call to arrange, pick up or drop off of Lizzie, and my husband will be like, who was that on the phone? And I just smile and say, oh, that was my other baby daddy. But I just wanted to share about how we came to foster because Amy's asked us this semester to share our why. And I want to start with saying that Brian and I never really considered fostering before. It wasn't something that we grew up considering or even felt a calling on our life early in our marriage. It just wasn't really on our radar. But one Sunday in January of 2016, we came to church as a family and maybe it looked a little more like a circus. Shelby was a year and a half old, and Maddie was three and a half. It was a sanctity of life Sunday, and the anniversary of Roe versus Wade. And Gary preached on choosing life. Sorry, y'all. And this message forever changed our lives. He showed some really cute pictures of babies and he talked about when their sweet little fingerprints develop and when you can hear their heartbeat. And at the end of the sermon, he asked, what are we as Christians doing for those who choose life? And it was something that I never really considered before. But that day I felt the Holy Spirit just stirring and I didn't really know what to do with that. So we climbed back in the car after church, got the kids loaded up, and I turned to Brian and I was like, Man, what is he gonna think? He's gonna think I'm crazy wanting another kid. <laughs> but I just confessed. I said, I don't know that we're I don't know that we're done having children. And we we hadn't really made a decision either way, but I said, I don't really know that I'm going to give birth to anymore either. I don't really know what that looks like. And he just exhaled and said, yeah, I know. And there was just such comfort in that moment, knowing that God was not only working on my heart, but also on his. And that we were a team, you know, headed on this journey together. But we just sat in those feelings a while. We prayed a lot about it. And our families thought we were a little bit crazy, (laughs) because we still had littles. Um, But I stand before you today, we just opened our home to our next placement, our seventh so far, and we'll be getting a call any day, I'm sure. Uh, But I just wanted to share that as maybe some of you in here may be thinking about fostering. And I'd love to talk with you about more of what that's looked like for us. It's not easy, but it is incredibly rewarding. Or maybe the Holy Spirit's kind of leading you in a different direction, and I would just encourage you to be obedient to that. As scary as this journey has been at times, it's been so sweet to see some of the confirmations that God's given us, that we are right where we need to be. Sometimes Brian and I will look at each other kind of blankly or kind of throw our hands up and it's like, well, I don't know what we're doing, but here we go again. <laughs> there are times that we've debated closing our home to foster children because we wonder, are we traumatizing our girls every time we send one of these kiddos home and we're all in tears? But it's always our girls a few days later that are like, when is our next foster child coming? And so we're like, nope, we're going we're gonna to do this again, you know, as long as God calls us to it. That's where we are. The text today was Psalms one, and I know we looked at it extensively in the book with Nancy, but there are some things that I think spoke to me directly that I really wanted to share with you guys. The first word of the text was blessed. I never really knew the real meaning of this word as it's used so often here in the South, right? Bless her heart or how are you today, oh, I'm blessed. You know, we don't really know what we're saying necessarily. The world often measures blessedness with pleasant situations or physical things, but the Bible defines it quite differently. Nancy shared how it isn't dependent on events or situations, but it's based on the joy found in one's relationship with God. When I learned this, these two definitions couldn't be more different. We aren't called to a life of comfort and ease, but to serve the one true God by laying down our life for our brothers and sisters in Christ. So I ask you this morning, when have you felt the most biblically blessed? I'll be honest, for me, it's stuck in uncomfortable situations that God's called me to. I've been in the terrible twos for about six years now between our own two children, three consecutive two-year-old foster placements, and again, Lizzie just turned two. But in the midst of all the tantrums, some of which are my own, I found ultimate comfort in knowing that I'm right where God has called me to be in these difficult situations. One of the best side effects of sharing the fact that we foster with new people we meet for the first time is that it allows me to share Christ as my why. I cannot share my why without telling people this is how God is moving in our family. People often want to praise us for the good that we're doing. We always roll our eyes at this and are like, if you only knew. And we try to redirect the praise and honor to God. I'm just a sinner saved by grace, trying to be obedient in the way that God's leading us. So let's read the text together. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Verse one we saw warns us of the community not to keep. We are instructed not to do life with the wicked, unrepentant sinners and mockers, which leaves believers as the targeted community for us. But before we get too proud that we aren't the wicked, we have to remember we are the wicked. We're only covered in the grace and blood of Christ. Here at TBC, community is a core value. And I never really experienced true community until we formed a small group in our neighborhood during my husband's residency. There were six couples that we did life with. We started off with 10 adults and two children, and we grew quickly to 12 adults and over 14 kids. (laughs) Over the next four years, these people became like family. We shared the birth of most of our children, the death of parents, miscarriages, surgical recoveries, infertility, postpartum depression, marriage struggles, and oh so much more. These families have stood in the gap for me and pointed me to Christ time and time again, like I had never been before. Just like in the text, you see the relationship moving from a casual walking to standing and then to sitting, which is incredibly intentional. It took time to build community, and even more importantly, it took vulnerability. I love this quote from Brené Brown, who does extensive research on vulnerability. Vulnerability is at the core, the center of meaningful human experiences. You see, I never really experienced a deep, a deep level of community before because I wasn't willing to be that vulnerable. My natural instinct isn't to share my weaknesses and my struggles, I more try to hide them. This year I've also been reading and listening to the Bible recap with Tara Lee Cobble, who's a huge proponent of small groups as well, and she says, here we lead with our junk. And I thought, man, what a great way to express vulnerability. Often when meeting new people, we're naturally a little guarded, but you know that at some point there's that woman that you met, right? And she clearly leads with her junk and you just automatically relax and feel more comfortable sharing things maybe you naturally wouldn't. Because there's this shared understanding that neither one of you really have it all together, right? And that's okay. I also relate community to fostering, because if you've ever heard Katie McRae speak at a foster interest meeting, she encourages you to build a team of support. The average foster family only fosters once, And this is because of a lack of community and support. This stat literally blows my mind because it is so much work to get certified to foster. So if you feel called, I would encourage you to find a family, a foster family, that you can support in some way. There are many in our body, um, many in the community, and foster love has made it so easy to serve these kiddos from buying diapers to babysitting to financial support. Everyone can do something, right, Katie? Everyone, Everyone. all of you. <laughs> I think building your team is not only important in fostering, but in life in general. I know personally, if I don't have women encouraging me in scripture, and checking in to see how my walk with the Lord is, and keeping me accountable, I will fall back into my sinful ways and my selfish heart so quickly. Jeremiah 17.9 explains that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I hope today in sharing the role that community has played in my life encourages you to find a small group if you haven't already. But what does the Bible say about community? In Galatians 6.2, we are called to carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Proverbs 17, 17 says a friend loves at all times and a brother is born at a time of adversity. This adversity looks so different in different seasons of life. Maybe for young women in the room, it's school or work. Maybe it's navigating new motherhood with tiny babies or young children or even transitioning to the empty nest. I loved when we first started this semester seeing some of you more experienced moms sharing your tears over dropping your babies off at college. It was so sweet. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another, which is what we're doing in this room, right? Gathering each week, digging into the word learning from each other and keeping each other accountable and encouraged. I remember in the midst of a hard placement, when I was worn out, a friend dropped off a little gift bag on my front porch, and in it contained some chocolate, a bag of bath salts, a bottle of wine, and a frame with this verse on it. Let us not become weary of doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Galatians 6, 9. And I just felt so encouraged just by that one little scripture, the one little act. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And if you remember in Acts, we studied recently after Pentecost, You saw the early church meeting together, worshiping together, eating together. They sold their possessions to meet each other's needs. Next, we move into verse 2, which seems to answer another why for us. Why are we here in this room studying the word together? This verse tells us that in order to be blessed, we will delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. Sanctification is a process but we have to do the work of digging in in order to follow it. Joshua tells us in chapter one, verse eight, to study this book of instruction continually, to meditate on it day and night so that you'll be able to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. I don't know about you, but I don't always find myself waking up delighting in the scriptures, but I do my best to be consistent to be in the word daily, because the more that I read, the more that I rest in his word and in his promises. And he calms my angst, he relieves my worries, and gives me more of an eternal perspective, often shrinking my problems down to size. I was recently working with the girls on their memory verse on the way to school, and Maddie asked, why do we need to memorize these verses if I know I can go find them in the Bible? And I told her, so that you hide God's word in your heart, we're instructed to do that. And so that when you hear a lie, you know it because the truth is hidden. Psalms 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And in verse 105, it says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Verse 3 then transitions to the consequences of our choices. Choosing Jesus and the righteous path is described here. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. This tree was planted in its location with intention. It didn't just wildly grow there. It was planted near these streams of life-giving water so it could flourish. Jeremiah 17:7 7 and 8 expresses this as well. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out roots by the stream. I love this part. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green, and it has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. I love the confidence that this verse exudes lacking any fear of any situation that may come. John four fourteen says, But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Not only will we be satisfied, but a source of the water that he has given to us. Later in John, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Jesus is referred to as the living water, and all good things are from him. He provides us with all the nourishment we need to grow into strong believers, sharing his goodness with others. This is not a promise of health, wealth, and happiness. But when you're in the Word and in Christ, your definition of prosperity begins to align with God's will, and your desires become like His. You die to your flesh, and the ultimate picture of prosperity is eternity in heaven with God, which is what we've already been promised. There are many times in our lives when it seems like the wicked may be prospering, but Romans 8.28 says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We don't always see the way God's working, the way that he works all these things together, but we can confidently trust that he is because he tells us here in his word. Moving on to verse 4, we see a shift to the consequences of choosing the path of the wicked. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. This here is a picture of a threshing floor. The grain would be spread out all over the threshing floor and people or animals would stomp on it to separate the grain from the husks. Then they would throw a huge pile up in the air with a pitchfork and the chaff would just blow off to the side and the grain would fall there at the winner's feet. The chaff was easily broken. It's fragile, it's useless, dead, weak, and has no direction. The author shows quite a difference between the chaff and the tree. The tree was planted with intention by streams of water. It had a life source, it was yielding fruit, it was strong and had deep roots and healthy leaves. Verse 5 goes on to further explain the consequences for the wicked. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. I enjoyed reading Charles Spurgeon kind of take this into his own words. He said, no sooner can a fish live upon a tree than the wicked in paradise. It was just completely impossible. In Corinthians 5.10, says, for we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. We've either been covered in Jesus' blood and have been made into a new creature and are welcomed into heaven, or we try to stand on our own merit and we fall short every time and are condemned to hell. If we choose Jesus, the text tells us, the Lord will watch over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. This same idea is mentioned in Job 23.10, But he knows the way that I take, when he tested me and I will come forth as gold. Proverbs 15.9 says, The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves the one who pursues righteousness. Now God watching over our way doesn't mean he'll lead us away from all trials. In fact, we know he assures us that we will have them. In James 1.2, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. We know that in these trials that God's going to direct us. He's going to lead us and guide us, as it tells us also in our memory verse that we just recited. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. So we learn that this perfect man of Psalms 1 was Jesus the only one who's perfectly walked that righteous path and gave us an example to follow. I don't often take mantras from Disney movies, but I do find myself repeating Anna's line from Frozen 2 when I feel like I've just lost my way and I don't know what to do next. Just do the next right thing. Continue on the way of righteousness that God has set before you. Likely, none of what I shared today out of Psalms 1 is new to you, but I challenge you to re-examine your path and make the necessary course corrections and allow God to direct your next steps. I also encourage you to seek out true biblical community if if you're not already part of a small group. Let's close in prayer. God, I thank you for these women who've gathered today to study your word, seeking wisdom in the Psalms, I thank you for direction in our lives and the forgiveness and grace you offer when we fall short. I pray that we leave here and are led to action as you call us to be doers of the word in James. So please lead us and guide us in your will. In your name we pray, amen.
0: Y'all, help me thank April for such a great job. I want to encourage you to come hug her neck before she leaves today. And you guys have a great week. We're done a little early, so girls, you don't have to rush to get your kids. (laughs) All right, have a great week.